handicapped parking places and things like that. And I, I suppose hadn't, I hadn't noticed. Now I'm in Florida, and the area where I moved to um, catered to an older population. So I haven't noticed any dramatic changes in that area. I don't pay an awful lot of attention to shoppers, though. You know, I mean, like, it's really an interesting question. I'm closing my eyes and I'm thinking here. I can't remember the last time I saw a mom hauling kids through a supermarket. I tend to shop at night, though. So What upset me, and I shouldn't be this way, but... To see an extended family uh, in a supermarket, so there'd be the mom and the pop, and what looks like you know a grandma, and maybe an aunt and an uncle or something, and then God knows how many kids, and inevitably they all want to buy the same things I do in the same order, <laughs> right in front of me. Well, one of my favorite, one of my favorite brother's favorite shoppers, it's late at night. It's the man with the list, with the cell phone, saying, "Yes, oh. dear, yes, dear." Yes. My brother, I'm, Joe, in, I'm in this aisle, sweetie. Where yeah, is it? Yeah, my my brother takes pity on him and takes the list and just walk him through each aisle to pick up the item. Oh, bless your brother. That <laughs> is so sweet. I mean, it would be like sending me to um um a, an Ace Hardware store. Yeah. Oh, I love hardware stores. Well, I, I guess you would. It's not exactly, you know, on the top of my, gee, I have some time today. I think I'll stop in Ace. <laughs> it's not not my thing, you know? Yeah, on the other hand. Actually, I don't have a thing. I'm not a shopper. Yeah, the dress stores and stuff, I guess. No, I don't, I'm just, you know, if I need something, I go out to buy it. I am not a shopper. My sister will make even Walden, who is so lovable, would lose patience with this woman. No, I, I, I completely understand. <sighs> because, you know, they say the average person, you, did you ever see the stat with the, how many the average person go to a grocery store a week? No, how many? Three times a week. This is the average person? The average numbers, yeah. Well, it's in the average, if you're dealing with averages, that means there are an awful lot of people who shop more often. Right. And, I mean, the other end. I, guess I, will are, do, I will do anything to avoid shopping. I know. I, I know. But I, there are people who ask, and I get this common Europe, people who actually go to the store every day to buy they something do. to eat. They, uh, bread, for example, is fresh for that day. Yeah. Um, there are an awful lot of fresh, uh, things like fresh produce and um, even the... How do people do it in, say, New York City where you... you you don't have a vehicle. Boy, well, I guess they must be living in, right right there in, in downtown Manhattan in order That's to do that. a lot of small um, grocery stores, little and especially specialty stores. And people buy their food on the way home from work at night. Yeah. Buy food for that night, sometimes two nights in a row. But uh, those are people who would – now, they, they might be skewing the numbers, Walden, uh -huh. because you're right, people in New York City would – be at a store buying food sometimes five or six times a week. Right. Well, I... I, if I can get away with once a month, I'm going to be a very happy camper. 
I draw the line when my wife and I go shopping. We each have a cart, mm-hmm. and I draw the when we get to where neither one of us can add anything more in there. Then I say it's time to quit. Which is why supermarkets made such deep baskets. They are getting bigger. Have you noticed how big the they are bigger cart? and they are deeper? I go to Sam's Club. Mm-hmm. My gosh, you know you could you could rent that those baskets out as a room. Oh, I, I stay out of there. It's danger, danger, danger. I mean, I might as well, you know, just start hanging out in bars. <laughs> oh, today I passed a Costco and went, uh, uh, just almost. Uh, just, uh, That's what my family shops at Costco, because we just love. So lucky that it was rainy and nasty. <laughs> I don't buy an awful lot at Sam's Club, but I do go there for particular items. So I'm not likely to show up at the cash register with $12,487 worth of stuff. I go in and I I get it and I go. I'm not a shopper. I, I go in with my list and I get what's on my list. I'm a, I am such a joy for you guys. You would never have to wait outside a store for me. I'd be outside saying, where are you? Where are you? That's true. When Patricia goes shopping with her sister, she takes her book. Oh, I do. Yeah, I know. And I did. I, I just, if I can get away with it, I'll say, I'm sitting here. Just let me know when you're finished. I take a book. Well, I keep reading materials in our vehicle to wait for my wife mm-hmm. when we go to things like that. All right, good to be. Well, then you were really remarkable. You remembered that I do that. Uh-huh. I only had to tell you one time. That's true. And he says everything. That's true. He remembers everything. Well, Richard, what kind of programs can I send you? You know, I'd really like some um, Arthur Godfrey. Arthur Godfrey. Do you know Ron in Hawaii sent me some Arthur Godfrey shows, and I have them. Thank you, Ron. So you shall have them. Another reason why you're so lovable. (laughs) <laughs> because I have Arthur Godfrey? Well, uh, I would love to know. I'd love to see an inventory of your collection. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think you have a you know a stack of eight CDs there. I don't know. No, I've got a box of CDs and DVDs, and I've got, oh, probably 80 gigs on... The computer, so I, I have a fair amount. I have a fair amount, but I've also got some underground caves and catacombs, and I can find some unusual stuff out there sometimes. So, uh, I'm a good hunter. I'm a I'm a hunter and a gatherer. Back Benny went to the vault. You'd hear all this. Say that again. When Jack Benny would go to his vault for some money. <laughs> right. All these. It would walk for two-thirds of the show before he got there. Yeah, and then there'd be some guy down there, some guard. <laughs> Hadn't seen light since 1923. Right, right. Was it, Morgan, was it Mel Blanc who was down and played the guard? It was Joseph Kearns who was Ed. And Joseph Kearns, most people might remember being the next-door neighbor in the TV show Dennis the Menace. Oh, really? Yeah, Joseph Kearns. Love the organ. He had a professional Wilshire organ in his house. And so when he passed away, uh, they had to open up the house to get the organ out of there. 
Wow. But he, he was he was the guy who was your man in black in in suspense. So, but that's that's who it is. Thanks, Billy. Fabulous. That's who it is. I'm I I am intrigued at how these folks could play so many different roles in such a wide variety of. Yeah, it's amazing. In in like. Uh, like you, Patricia, I've become a major league uh, fan of uh, John Daner. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If you could ever fall in love with a voice, John Daner is it. The, uh, oh, I did anyway. And, and, you know, I'm sometimes I cannot tell which one he is in Gunsmoke. He can, he can, he can hide it pretty well. You know. He could hide every character he ever played. It is phenomenal. Yeah. When must have had a some of these stories, some of these programs, and at the end they'll say, "And so and so was John, played by John Daner." What? Just a just an incredible range and ability to assume a particular character's voice. He knew what that voice should be. It's remarkable. I wish we had him. I, w I would. I would love to spend a day with him. Yeah, I mean, he must have had just a, a terrific work ethic, if nothing else, <laughs> to do so many different shows. Mm -hmm. And he and he wasn't the major star of many of them. No, no, no he was a character actor. Yeah. And um, did so many things so well. He was in everything. Yes, as well as television and and movies yeah. and. Mm -hmm. Everything. Yep. I guess he was just one of those go-to guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know nothing about his personal life. I hope it was good. I, well, I know I'm, I'm beginning an interview from John and Larry from the get, uh, John Dunny interviewed him uh, in the early 80s. And so when I get that, well, I, I will put that on the air one Sunday night. And just How cool. Pull. Yeah. I have a list of people. I wish I had had an opportunity to talk with and spend the day with, just talking and mm -hmm. asking questions, and John Daner is on that list. Is Oscar Levant made the list? Oscar Levant is at the top. Oh, what a clever person. Oh, my goodness. He was just wonderful. My hero. He really is my hero. He was a remarkable, remarkable person and made it despite so many things that we're not with him. He just did it. <laughs> just did it. What was it? Uh, they asked him what his favorite form of exercise was, and he said he stumbles and falls down. <laughs> Sounds like an Oscar. <laughs> Sounds like an Oscar. He's a good one. I've got a collection of quotes from him. and he's, Every once in a while, I will entertain myself by going to my little Oscar Levant collection. He's good. He's good. Well, Richard, I really appreciate your giving us a call tonight. You ought to go to bed. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I have yes. to get up at the, in the darkness to drive my dear bride to work. She works on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Well, you're a good doobie then. And then, uh, well, I, she says she loves it because... Uh, she doesn't have to park in the back 40. She works at a hospital. That's nice. And uh, I like it because uh, I can feel all virtuous and everything and come home and, you know, crawl back to bed. <laughs> Boy. Make breakfast or something. 
Well, you're a good guy for doing that. Well, she's a good girl for working. <laughs> Bless her heart. Yeah. You've got your own lovable and adorable. But she's younger, see. Uh. She's still a kid. Yeah. She's still a baby. Still a baby. Still a baby. We have started having lunches on Friday afternoons with girls, as I call them, uh, who were in her graduating class in high school. And uh, it's very interesting. This was Hillcrest High School in Dallas, mm -hmm. class of 71. And it's interesting to see the lives these ladies have had and and uh, how they've survived and uh, to look at their high school pictures and then look at them now. I think they've done pretty well. Nice to think about. Yeah. That's good. And, uh, and, of course, it makes me feel pretty old because I was in college by the time they were in high school. But... Uh, uh, Sweet, sweet folks, and uh, they've done well. Yeah. They've done well, as have y'all. Goodbye. Keep it up. All right, Rich. You have a good night, Richard. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. Hey, is there somebody out there who's never called the show? We'll be gentle. We'll be gentle. We'll be really gentle. You can get... Call 714-545-2071. Now, Richard knocked off one of the questions that was out there, so I can add one to the list. Um, the ones that are still out there, who was Red Rider's young Indian companion? And let's see, he knocked that one off. Um, who was Claire Brooks? We're talking about sidekicks now. Who was Claire Brooks? That's a good one. Do you know that one? Of course he does. Uh-huh. <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> so sorry. And in Fibber McGee and Molly, what was Oli's last name? Oli, the guy. Oli. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The stone-eating time. And who played him? There's a, there's, a, there's a one bonus question. All right, we'll give Walden a bonus question. Yeah. Who played him? Who played him? And we'll double the shows. And who played who played Clara Brooks? There's another one. Oh. Well, see, I, I knew you would get me on some of these. Yes, gosh darn it. I'll tell you what. Walden, you keep talking. I'll be back in a minute, and I just know I'm going to have the answer. Okay. 714. <laughs> lied. Oh, lied. You never lie. You never lie to you, Walden. No, I'm not. I, I tell you what. I I am. Oh, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I trust Polly. You trust Polly, yeah. I well, trust you know, Polly trusts everybody. And that can be a problem. Well, well, Polly well, is the last person in the world you no, would want on a jury no. unless you get the closing argument. Well, well Polly is in kind, gentle, lovable people. Polly will be okay. Thank you. That's what, that's what counts. We just got to worry about Polly when she's not in the right hand. That's all. <laughs> My goodness. <you> know. <laughs> and I just sit there and say, I didn't know that. And then somebody like Nolan Kenner, who might be listening tonight, says, we got her again. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. My whoosh factor. Yep. Whoosh, right past me. Whoosh. Okay, well, I've got some 1942 stuff. And, oh, we never got a call about that, um, about our last show, did we? Mm-mm. No, we to, didn't. You want to read them off again? On the scrap drive, yeah. We have the war scrap drive from April 7th, 1942. Fibber introduced Mrs. Uppington to Lillian the horse, and Uppy told him that she was an accomplished horsewoman and was referred to... Uh, that she rode like a centaur, which is the mythical half-man, half-horse. And Fibber started to ask her a question about that, and Molly jumped in with, McGee! What did he, have, what did he start to ask her? And the second one, what was the kitchen sink made out of? They were um, donating all the extra stuff out of their closet. And the third, for the scrap drive, they divided materials that they were donating into three piles. What were the three piles? 714-545-2071. And Ready the, for some 1942 information? And does anybody know what happened today, 20 years ago? Huh? I didn't go to my history list. Huh? Let's see, today, meaning January 15th. January 16th. Oh, today is the 16th now. Uh That's right. It changed over there. You're 12 minutes into the new day. Okay, January 16th, 20 years ago? Yep. Which would be 1981? 1991. 1991. 1991. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Are you going to give me some help here? Sure. Oh, Uh, no. I'll give you help. George Bush was president. Yeah. And think about CNN. Oh, is this the day we launched? No. Yes, it was. Today's the day we launched, 20 years ago. Wow. Can you, I, I was thinking about this week. Can you imagine how fat time has flown in 20 years? 714-545-2071 is our number. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. We'd like to spend time with you. You know, my time is your time, as Rudy Valley was saying, would say, or or when Eddie Cannon was saying, uh, each time, I, each, one day every time we spend with you. Hooray! Somebody's going to spend some time with us. <laughs> Hello there, you're on with Patricia. So you want to spend time with us? That's right! There you are! Or, or whatever. Uh, All right, okay, well, now, what, what, was, what was Eddie Cannon's closing theme song? Oh, let's see. Oh, my gosh. I, I know how it goes. Okay. I'll let you slide, then. Each moment we spend with you, isn't it? Yeah, pretty, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And then um, Red Riders thing was Little Beaver. Uh-huh. It's Little Beaver. There you go. What, what was the name of the horse? Uh, thunder? No, beavers. That was what? Red Rider's horse. Little You're beavers. right. Little Beaver's horse. Was it Papoose? Papoose. Papoose. Yes. And I talked. You're to, hot tonight, sir. And I talked to Old Beaver today, anyway. You did? Yeah, I talked. I talked to Tommy Cook, so he and I had some uh, stuff to go over. So I gave I gave Little Beaver a call. How's he doing? He's doing fine. He, I'm oh, keep, oh, how young is he? Uh, he's a young puppy. He he just he's just eighty. My God. You know, he's wheeling and he's writing a new screenplay. Um, he, he just got done 
he had a smack sense in the 70s on roller coasters, and he would tell me, Juan, I think this one's going to be a smash. He's, he's working on a new one for the 3D. So, oh. you know, Tommy is one of those guys that runs everybody around around circles. So he's got this project, this project, and I'm working with him on two of them. And he got more on the, more going. You know, um, same time, same station or something like yep. that? Mm-hmm. Is, is that a website or is just that a, just a... That's the name of a program. That well, in, in the early 70s, 72 to 74, it was a, it was a call show called Same Time, Same Station, which was a documentary, The History of Radio, on KRLA out of Pasadena. But in the late 70s, uh, it became a show where they played old-time radio show, and the, the Gasman had it for 20 years, and now they're back on it. So pretty much, it's just the name of a program that the Gasmans have. They don't have a, a website um, there's some old information that Jerry Hannigus links to on his site, and it goes to some really old information about the Gasman twins, but that's that's the extent of the information that's up there. Okay, here's a trivia question for you, Ron. What, what, uh, what the end of the radio show will you same time, same station? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Can't oh, pick me, pick me. Oh, oh, you can do it, Ron. Oh, can't think of it. What was it? All right, Patricia, what do you think? I think it's Superman. You got it, Patricia. And who was the announcer that did that? Yeah, right. I didn't remember that. Bud Collier was Superman. Right, who was the um, announcer, the famous announcer? Yeah, Jackson Beck. Jackson Beck. In his 80s, mid-80s. He was making four hundred thousand a year doing commercials. That's amazing. That's amazing. When I grow up, I want to be like these people. I you know. In their voice, their voice, they can still rake it in. Amazing. Yeah, a year just doing commercials. Oh my God. And his after number, you know what his after number was when they first started the Actors Union? No. Number two. <laughs> Who was number one? I don't know. Actually, Jackson always said he was upset because somebody got in his way before he could be number one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, anyway, I I just got to, it was a rough day. I had to play for somebody's memorial service. Oh, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. It was hard. And from there, I went to the Elks and played with my quartet over there. So, you know, it's from one... Kind of a. Was this your friend that you play for hostage for during Christmas time? No, no, no. Oh. Well, I died New Year's Day, you know. Wow. Oh dear. But 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 what was what was interesting was the day he died. I left a message on his um, answering machine uh-huh. that I was thinking about him mm-hmm. and I love him and. Uh, he got to hear the message and he died after that. So, yeah, it was kind of a, <clears throat> a little depressing. Yeah. But then he had a nice celebration of life. He loved music, so he had all kinds of music at his uh, memorial service. And then from there, I jumped into my car and whizzed down the ocean. Wait a minute. They, uh, did they give out blind driver's license in Hawaii? Or they, you know, yeah, what we do is we put one hand on the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Manicure jobs. 
lights in the middle. <laughs> oh, Ron, you're so bad. And and what's the name of your quartet? Oh, it's my bass player is a leader, and and we just call ourselves the No Name Quartet. <laughs> the No Name Quartet? Are you serious? Yeah, we can't think of a name right now. I like that. Pretty good. Nobody's going to forget it. So you guys play classical music as a quartet, I bet. Hey, we play dance music. We have a saxophone uh -huh. who plays flute. Uh -huh. And a drummer and a bass player and me and a guy that plays bass sings and it's really cool. And, and and you guys never rehearse and just get up there and say what we're gonna play tonight, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And we just built it out. That's amazing. How long have you been playing together? Well, we um three hours. No, I'm. <laughs> we, we play once a month at the Elks, you know. We've been done it for about a year now, so. How did you come together? Because of style and stuff, yeah. How did you get together? We've known each other for years, you know. Um, and so we um, we just have respect musically for each other. So when there was an opening, we just put ourselves together and said, hey, let's all play together. It, it, the music com it, the music group in Hawaii pretty small. Do you pretty much know everybody that plays on the island? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, not everybody, but... For the most part, we know a lot, of, you know, a lot of musicians, and we know who can play bass and who can play saxophone or trumpet or whatever. So whenever we need a certain instrument, we can put it together. You ever play with Don Ho? Oh yeah, I sat in with him a couple of times. Uh huh. Before. Yeah. We know each other. Uh huh. Yeah. I got tired of that. I'll remember you. Hi, knee bubbles. Hi, knee bubbles. Yes. I guess there are so many bubbles you can have in your life, and then you've had enough, huh? I burst it all, man, you know? Aw. So what is the nicest place to play in Hawaii? What's the nicest hotel, the nicest... Well, there are well, There are lots. I mean, we've got a good Marriott. We've got a good Hyde Regency. The Hilton is always nice. Mm-hmm. How do people get to you, Ron? Do you promote yourself in any way, or do they come to you? Oh no, I'm I'm very lucky. Um, I I get calls play with different people or um, to play for. Like every Thursday, I play for senior citizens mm -hmm. that love to sing Broadway and stuff. And that's the one that when we sang all anxiety. Yeah, they were good. They were so good. Yeah. I really thought you had a professional group back there. Oh, they just love to sing. Well, boy, they did a great job. It was super fun for us. It just seems, well, it was it's super fun for because they need a place to perform, and they don't feel intimidated, and you know, by like, who's going to upstage who or whatever. They just go there to have a good time. And they just enjoy singing, and so I provide the accompaniment for them, and it's a it's a warm, gratifying feeling. And um, in fact, the one the memorial service that I went to today was one who uh, loved to sing with me uh, every Thursday night. Mm. Do you practice every day, or do you like the point when I talk I to? No, I I try to learn some new material. You do, yeah. Can I remember asking Paige? Kevin always said, 
I'm playing every night a week, six hours a week, six hours a night. There's no sin. And this was in his mid 80s. There's no way I'm going to be back. Well, he was good. <laughs> he's now? Yeah, he's gone now. He's gone. I went to. I was invited to go to his memorial service, but he was, a, as you know, Ron, a terrific pianist. He was. Oh. His terminal was very good. Yeah. Very good. Hey, well, I'm going to let you guys go. I, I just want to let you know that I I heard my name in Arthur Gossery, and I'm... <laughs> somebody wants Arthur. 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 Are you going to let me send you something? Yeah, no, I'm just... I'll wait for my Richard Diamond. That's good enough. Yeah, poor Richard. Look for him next week. He'll be there. I'm so sorry. All these people have been locked up in their envelopes, and I just never got them to the um, to the mailbox. They won't fit in my in my apartment complex mailbox, so I have to drive them to some place, and I didn't. I've been so bad. I have been so bad. Would you forgive me? Of course. Would you let me know oh, something? I guess when you reach a certain age, you know, you get a little slow and hold are you. Nah, never mind, never mind. <laughs> You get the, you get so tolerant of these little brats, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're too funny. So there's a, is there truly nothing I can send? No, you just you done good enough. I done good so far. Gee, it's not even we're only halfway through January. I, have a whole year to go. It's amazing how how you know seriously. The older you get, time. Moves faster, you know. Oh, oh my goodness, yes. I have a theory on that. I think cause the more days we live, one day is just a small percentage of our life, so it just seems to go faster. You know, when we're little kids, like seven, how it take forever to wait for Christmas. Because you know, when you're only seven years old, one day seems like forever. Yep. It's, well, it's true. When you're four years old and you can't wait to start kindergarten when you're five, mm -hmm. you have to wait 25% worth of your entire life to get there. Yep. You know what I found out? Radio Spirits, or Radio radio Spirits, uh, is on iPhone now. I can. It's an app that I can get on my iPhone. So, what's the name of the show that... When Radio Was. Radio Was. I'm yeah. Sorry, yeah, when with Greg Bell. It's a, and, and it's there, and I think people can even, if you have your website, you can even put their show on your website. Ah. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Pretty good deal. It's a real good deal. Well, Patricia and Walden, you guys are great. You guys are always great, and uh, one day we'll all get to meet. That's true. We had better do this. Oh, Ron, I had a question tonight about... Pennies and nickels and how kids earn money. Did you earn money when you were a kid? Did you have any way that, that either an allowance or earning money? Yeah, we, I think um, we had an allowance. I forget how much it was, but when we were kids. And then when I was in high school already, I I, had a, I played in a dance band. So I, I got paid every weekend for playing for high school proms and winter balls and stuff like that. How cool. All right, I was going to ask you if you had a piggy bank. Now I need to ask if you had a savings account. <laughs> how, 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 than a piggy bank worth. how old do you think you were when you thought you really could play professionally? You think you could have done by 10? When do you think you had your... Uh, I think I, I realized that I could play professionally when I was about like 16 years old. Uh -huh. I started playing service clubs and stuff. Wow. Wow. Military clubs and 
got paid for it, you know, and stuff. So that's about when I was when I was sixteen. That's about ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a good career in front of you, Ron. Yeah, I know. I got to look forward to many, many more years. You better. You know? Now, how long did you say you met? When was it? How many years ago did you meet Patricia? Four years ago. Four? In um, person, but she and I know each other through, you know, chat room from several years before then. So we... Patricia, how old were you when you met Walt? Oh, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> She was 12. We're just trying to trick up. She was 12 and I was 11, so we, we, we're good. <laughs> well, I just wanted to see when kids were just off guard, you know. <laughs> you have to try harder. Yeah, I noticed that. Well, we love you guys. You take care, okay? Oh, thanks for calling, Ron. It's always fun to hear you, your voice. I will leave you by saying aloha. Aloha, aloha. and hi to Gail for us. There he goes, eating the Cheerios, 714-545-2071. I guess we're going to put this on a, let's see, Warren and Patricia are going to Hawaii. That's one of our goals together. We'll have to figure these out, you know. I have to get a piggy bank. I know. We're going to have to raise some money. We're gonna, and glass jars. I know. We're going to have to find each other a job. To, oh, jeez. Yeah. Not get carried away here. I know. Well, you're adorable. We'll raise, we'll raise, we'll raise a adorable fun, uh, funding. <laughs> I can raise money just by being adorable? Uh-huh. I think and you we, can raise it just by being lovable? I think we can do it. Boy, what a deal. I know. What a deal, except no one's going to give me away. No. This is Polly, and boy, is she dumb when you try to put stuff <laughs> over on her. Nolan, are you out there? We'll see. I think your kids have locked them up. You know? <laughs> it could be. I don't know. His daughter was very sweet. Uh-huh. Really was so sweet. And she said, yep, that's what he used to tell us, yeah. that if we got out early enough, we could see the cows rolling up their sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. I think that is so cool. For anybody who missed Nolan, he was talking about the rolls of hay, the, not, the, not the square bales or the rectangular bales, but the actual rolls that you see out in the fields. And he used to tell his kids that the cows had sleeping bags, and those were the sleeping bags rolled up. When they were on the road or on a trip, he would tell them if they got up early enough, they might be able to get there in time to see the cows rolling up their sleeping bags. And honest to goodness, his daughter said they came out okay. <laughs> That's one of the best stories that I ever heard. 714-545-2071. Give us a water report. How's everybody doing out there? I think we're hopefully everybody's snuggled, warm, and comfy. Yeah. But it's getting colder here. And I know people are going to laugh at me. Well, so you got your wool mittens on? No, I have shoes on. Okay, that's it. That's it. I mean, this is serious when I get shoes sign. on. Yeah, that's a warning sign. Yep, got my Reeboks. Mm-hmm. It's 54. That's too cold for South Carolina. That is Florida. very cold for Patricia. It's too cold. When you, es- just... when you escaped from New York, I thought you figured you left all that behind you. Oh, boy, I thought it was going to be summer all year round. It were, wasn't. Were you, dis- not. were you disappointed? I was surprised at how cold 
and I guess an awful lot of people, even people who have lived here forever, have been surprised at different times at how cold it can get. Mm-hmm. It can really be destructive. You want to know some 1942 stuff? I sure do. Oh, let me tell you first. I sent an email to Claire Schultz. Claire is the author who wrote Fibber McGee and Molly on the air. Yep. And um, he did some really great writing about the show, about um, the advertisers, about their war efforts, and then did an episode guide with some notes about each episode. I mean, who the sponsor was, who the people, which characters were there, who played the characters, and a little synopsis about each show. But he he was with us last year for the April anniversary of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. It was the 75th. Am I correct on that, Walden? April 16th. It was a Friday. It was a Friday. Yep. And he was with us, and gosh, he was just so full of really great information. And I sent him an email and asked if he would come back and join us again, and he said, of course he would. So I I just got that today. So I will ask him what looks like some good times for him, and um, we'll have an opportunity to talk with him, and you can call in and ask him some questions. He did such a wonderful thing for us when he was with us in April. People who listen to Fibber, McGee, and Molly have, without question, heard Fibber do his alliteration, where he will be talking about peonies and poppies popping up in the... And he does these great lines all the way. So I would guess some of them are 30 seconds long. They sound like it anyway. And Mr. Schultz did one for us. He actually put together one of these things, and he performed one of those tongue-twister, alliterative presentations, and it was just wonderful. He did a bang-up job. Oh, he did. I mean, it was just great. So I hope he'll be able to do that for us again. But uh, he's he's really got an awful lot of Fibber and Molly information, and uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to, to hear him. Okay, we're back to, and we've probably covered this before because I picked so many shows from the World War II era. But in 1942, the average cost of a car. Do you remember? 1500 1100 You know, you're always so close with this stuff. Mm. Gasoline. Uh, 1942. 12 cents a gallon. 19. 19, okay. And a house was $69.50. Mm. I mean, $6,950. <laughs> it was not $69.50. And a loaf of bread. How much was a loaf of bread? A quarter. It was only nine cents. That's pretty good. And I remember seeing that in a couple of other places as well for this particular time period. And I think, you know, nine cents and milk, 60 cents a gallon, which is... We know the cows cows went on strike that year. Yeah. I don't know. Um, If you got to be milked, you got to be milked. I don't think cows do that. And the postage stamps, of course, were three cents. And the average annual salary was $2,400. Who won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1942? I wish, Patricia, and I was making that $2,400 a year. That'd be good. Anyway. That would be good. We'd be cool. I know. Um, Nobel Peace Prize, 42...
I would say Einstein. You would have to say nobody. Oh, wow. And I went to 1943 because mm. that's our second show tonight. Yep. And it was nobody. So I should have checked all of the years. I will do that when I go back for next week's shows. Okay. And see how many years during the war they did not award a peace prize. I guess there weren't too many candidates, huh? Not well, you know, considering... But you know, these are individuals, not countries. Right. Um... And maybe because of the uh, war and, you know, Switzerland was a, was a, um, a neutral country. A neutral country. country. I never thought about that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, always got me is, you know, I think Hitler made Man of the Year in life one year. Well, that, you know, that, that would make sense. And before, when they elect it, a man of the year, it's the person who influenced the world, and I think as opposed the, to a really good person like yeah. you won the prize type thing. Right, and I think this was before the, the, war, the World War broke oh, out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you mean it was they, they had him as a good thing? Uh, I don't know, but they named him man of the year. Huh. Well, Time Magazine got some, um, some criticisms over the years for the people who wound up as man of the year or person of the year on the cover, but it, the general, um, you know, when you say man of the year, it, it's, you think about the, the um, social clubs and the service clubs, and you say man of the year and he did so much, and what they're really asking for or demonstrating is the person they think had the greatest influence on the world, and that does not have to be good. It can be good or bad. So, anyhow, um, nobody won the Peace Prize that year, and fads and fashion were some interesting things. Diners were in fashion in 1942. 1942, Rita Hayworth's sweater look was hot. Aluminum foil became a hot item, Uh and, drum roll please, frozen dinners. Well, you know, you know what we, you know what we Hayworth is known for in fashion. In fashion. In fashion before the war. I would think her hair. Her hairline, yeah, and I think they try to do electronics to try to create that wave line. It was, you know, some electric current, or try to move it over, because that wasn't a natural style for her. It was or was not. It was not. Okay. So they try to re- realign her her perm her her part. Well, she did very well with the sweater, so yeah. I don't think an awful lot of people noticed her hair. Yeah, yeah. They were all looking at the sweater. Yeah. So anyway, frozen dinners. Uh, for next week, we have lots of information about frozen dinners, which just blew me away. Bird's eye frozen food, maybe? Bird's eye frozen food mm-hmm. was, um, oh, crikey, was it 1920, Clarence Bird's Eye? did the first frozen foods for sale, but it was not frozen dinner. Generally, Swanson was credited with making the frozen dinner really popular, and they did it by accident. And it was in the 1940s, but it wasn't 42. I have, to, I have information about who was making frozen dinners at the time, but they were rudimentary. They were really basic. But something happened with Swanson. They wound up with something like 250 million pounds of turkey left over that hadn't sold, and they didn't know what to do with it. So 
they decided they would put together a frozen dinner and market it as a frozen dinner, and they expected for that year to be able to sell 5,000 items of product. And it came in at something like 10 million. <laughs> and they were off and running. <laughs> so um, so I've, I've got a, a fair amount of information put aside for next week about frozen dinners. They really are fun to, uh, to realize and think about. But what really blew me away, the, the turkey dinners that Swanson put out in the 1940s cost 98 cents a piece. Wow. And they had to be baked. Uh, you know, because there were no microwaves yeah. and they were in aluminum yeah. ends. Mm -hmm. But what's really interesting is that Swanson has a pot pie, uh, a turkey or a chicken pot pie, mm -hmm. that they sell for 99 cents today. Hmm. Well, it tells you I how think what, that's remarkable. It tells you what good value you have in today's dollars, really. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, there are an awful lot of frozen foods and frozen dinners that... Yeah will cost you as much as if you went to a restaurant and ordered those things. But there are others, like Banquet is a very popular brand, and I think it's probably popular because the price is so popular, they're about a dollar a piece for a dinner, a whole dinner. I mean, they're not huge. They're no. not like a hungry man dinner. Well, we, should, we should feed people, and that's what counts. You could feed people, and I mean, there's certainly more than enough for kids, for a kid's dinner, for a dollar. I don't know how they do it. The packaging alone should cost a dollar. Well, they, they must make it up in volume. They I show, guess. They show everything at a make it up in volume. <laughs> there was an old Saturday Night Live routine that they did where this bank did nothing but make change for people. Mm -hmm. they, people would come in with a dollar and they'd say, okay, we want three quarters, two dimes, and a nickel. Mm -hmm. And people would come in with a quarter and say, I want five.